Good morning, everyone. How are you? It's great to see you all. What a blessing to have an awesome Savior. He knows what we're going through, and he's able to help us, and he's come to us in the person of Jesus. So praise God for him. Um, one announcement, we do have a Christmas Day service tomorrow. So at 9 a.m., it'll be a shortened service, a family service, so everyone's uh, welcome to come to that. It should be a great time. And uh, yeah, a blessing to celebrate Christ together on his special day. And really, every day is his day, and we are his. So glory, glory to God. And we're going to take a step back from our Romans passage to move to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles there, and we'll pray. Thank you, Father, for your wisdom and your, your goodness to us all. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us to gather together and to, to pray, to worship you, to read your word, and to hear from you. And Lord, we desperately do need to hear you. Uh, we look to you even as a child does to a parent or the flower turns to the sun. Lord, we look to you, the giver of life, the one who loves us, who has given yourself to uh, redeem us. And thank you for the hope that we have in you, that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we ask that you would speak to our hearts today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Big occasions, weddings, they take a lot of planning. Um, it's been a, a long time since I was personally involved in the planning of a wedding. That was my wedding. Uh, there's a lot to do. You, you think about the venue and the people who will be invited and, and the, what, what church you're going to go to or the style or color of clothing. I think that's more of the, the bride's deal than the groom. We're kind of, I was kind of told what we we're doing. And, uh, but I wanted tails on my tux. That was just something that was important. Um, the food, the cake, the photographer, the videographer, the transport, accommodation, and on. Like, there's so much to do. You have a gift registry that you may put some... You're thinking of your future together. You, you may have premarital counseling and have an arbitrary amount of children you might want or names that you prefer. And there's all this future planning and it, with so much emotional investment and time commitment, it can be disheartening when things do not meet your expectations, when your expectations are dashed. And by God's grace, we've been on the side where our expectations have been exceeded, right? It's like you expected to fly economy and you got bumped up to business class. You're like, oh, this is a pleasant surprise. Or... Or you went to your favorite eatery and they offered you a free drink and a free dessert. You're like, could life get better? This is great. Blessed is the one who's pleased for God's will to be done in your life and in the world, even when it does not align with your expectations or plans. God's working to accomplish his purposes and his plans that are far above what we could conceive I think of Mary, a young woman. She's planning to be married. She's at the last stage of waiting for her husband to come and take her to the family home. And then God reveals his plans concerning Jesus Christ, the savior of Mary and the world. So we'll begin in Luke 1 verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. That six month there, that six months after the angel Gabriel announced to Zacharias that his wife, Elizabeth, would give birth to a baby boy whose name would be John, who would prepare the way for the Messiah. So God sent uh, Gabriel to Mary, who lived in Nazareth, and she was a virgin. She had never had sex. She was betrothed to a man named Joseph. And ancient Jewish traditions around marriage differ from ours in the West. Engagement is something that could happen from infancy where two parents, the two fathers would make a decision that our kids are going to marry someday. And uh, betrothal was the next stage. Usually teenagers, you would say your vows. There would be an exchange of gifts and the bride price being paid. But then there would be a year, about a year's time where the bride and groom were married, but they didn't live together. They still lived with their parents because the groom was building an addition onto the family home where he would bring his wife. And on the day known only to the father, he would tell his son, okay, now is the day for the, the wedding's been prepared. The feast is ready. Go get your bride. And it meant when you were married fully and, and the feast had taken place at the marriage, that was the first time a husband and wife were ever alone in the same room. And the first time they had ever physically touched each other. That was very important. So while Mary, she's waiting in Nazareth for Joseph to come to her to bring her to the marriage feast. It wasn't Joseph, but Gabriel, an angel, just, it says, having come in. He just came in alone right into the house. And he says, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And this is likely a greeting that she had never heard before. She didn't recognize him. He was alone. She was suspicious of his motives. She was troubled also because she was humble. And she's like, I don't even know this guy. Why is he saying these things about me? It's maybe that same cynical view that we have when you receive a text or an email that says, congratulations, you've won. And I didn't enter a contest. I've never even heard of this contest. Why are you congratulating me? And so he's like, blessed are you among women. Who, me? What is going on? Verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Gabriel told Mary not to be afraid. She had found favor or grace with God. This wasn't saying that she was sinless or had no need for a savior. We see that all who are in Christ have spiritual blessings. We see that in Ephesians 1, 3, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now this in no way cheapens or lessens the special calling that God had upon Mary to bring forth uh, Jesus Christ as her son. She wasn't afforded this blessing because she was worthy in herself, but it was all of God's grace. She found grace in his sight. 
And the words of Gabriel, they really hearken back to the prophet in Isaiah 7:14, where it says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So Gabriel says a lot of things about her child and she's not thinking babies at this stage. This is a big shock. It's like the child that you're going to carry will be great. The son of the highest, the son of God that he would have the throne of his father, David, his name would be Emmanuel. We see that in the Isaiah passage, which means God with us, that he would reign over Israel forever, that he would have an everlasting kingdom. That's a lot for anyone, especially a teenage girl to take in. She's not thinking babies and this revelation. It blew Mary's future plans and expectations out of the water. Some people like to know if they're having a boy or a girl beforehand. Other people like the surprise. But before Mary had had a wedding feast, she was told you're going to be pregnant with the son. Call his name, Jesus, whether you like it or not. And even more incredible, your son is going to be the son of God, God with us. And when she felt that newborn baby, when she felt that baby kick in her womb, she's like, the son of God is growing in me. I mean, that is just crazy, right? Out of this world. Wild to consider that the God who created all things just spoke them into existence. He chose to confine himself to a womb of a mother for nine months and also confined himself to a tiny quivering body who would eat, sleep and, you know, feed like other babies. Yet he's an everlasting king. Really too much to understand. Verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren for with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. When Zacharias was met by Gabriel, he doubted. He wasn't believing what the angel said, but Mary, she just asked a practical question. Like, how can I be pregnant if I haven't known a man? And the angel explained that the Holy spirit would come upon her, that she would conceive miraculously and reiterated, not just any child, but the Holy, but the son of God. And to the Jews to be the son of God, that was a clear claim of divinity. It's written in John 5, 18 uh, after Jesus began his ministry. It says, therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, not only because he broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. It's very important that the Jews, they had this segregation between men and women um, of immediate. Uh, if you had immediate brother or sister, that was okay. But if you were going to be married and there are people outside of the family, you're not alone together ever. There would no, there was no opportunity for Joseph and Mary to come together. They would have had escorts wherever they went. They would never have been left alone because each escort was very careful to maintain the purity of the family and to keep their honor. I read that a man and a woman merely being alone in the same room 
it was scandalous. On the site Chabad.org, a rabbi, he said, when a door is closed on a man and woman, it is viewed as a sexual act, not because of what could happen, but what did happen. That's how important it was to stay apart until you are wed. So Gabriel, he says, you know, your your relative in the King James, it says cousin, Elizabeth, she's fallen pregnant in her old age. She's been pregnant for six months. One who was called barren previously. Verse 24 said that after um, Elizabeth hit, was pregnant, she hid herself for five months. So her pregnancy was not known to Mary. She had been hidden. She wasn't telling, she wasn't sending out birth announcements at that stage. She was keeping things on the low. The sign of Elizabeth's pregnancy that was to encourage Mary to believe the word of the Lord that he had spoken to her. And he says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, isn't that awesome? To people under the law of Moses, it was dis- disgrace not to bear children. It was also disgrace to bear children without being married. But God's able to take away the disgrace of our inability, of our sin and our failures. What's impossible for man is possible with God. Nothing's impossible for him. I mean, God does everything. He transcends the power of nature and all that we know. Think about Sarah, right? She gave birth to Isaac when she was 90 years old and, and Abraham was impotent. Now, if Elizabeth could have a son in her old age, was it any harder for God to cause Mary to fall pregnant as a virgin, according to his promise? Is that hard for God? With God, nothing will be impossible. So Mary, she has this great response. What a declaration of faith. She says, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She just presented herself before God and just said, amen to everything that you said. May it be so. Let it be to me according to your word. Matthew Henry wrote this. She objects not the danger of spoiling her marriage and blemishing of her reputation, but leaves the issue with God and submits entirely to his will. This unexpected pregnancy, it meant there would likely be no feast. The families would have shame in their culture. They possibly could be shunned in society. She would be viewed with contempt. Like she was not chaste and her son could be viewed as illegitimate but she feared and trusted God that God would be with her both in spirit and in person in the person of Jesus. Matthew 1:18 it confirms the manner of Christ's concession. It says, "Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit." This made for some awkward conversations with family and especially with Joseph where she's saying, I am pregnant. I don't even know how that conversation would have went, but she provides such a good example of someone who trusted God rather than being paralyzed by fear or worry or the what ifs. She says, let it be to me according to your word. And if her service unto God was to carry, to deliver, to feed the son of God, so be it. And it's good for us to think about, do you love and trust God that much to say, let it be to me according to your word. 
Like when Mary's plans were changed by God. Like when God said to Abraham, leave your family and go to the land where I will show you. Or how about when God reveals to you that you are suffering from the illness that's going to take your life like Elisha. When he takes you like Amos from the field, who's a sheep breeder and a picker of sycamore fruit and makes you a prophet to a nation that won't listen to you. He says, here's your new career. You're now a prophet. He's like, I didn't want to be a prophet. I didn't ask to be a prophet. Will you say amen when God shows you how much you must suffer for his namesake and makes you an apostle to the Gentiles as, as a respected Pharisee leader like Paul to give up a large salary in a government position to follow Jesus as a volunteer servant like Levi or to leave a satisfying life on the sea of Galilee as a fisherman in the family business like John. Are you willing to say, let it be to me according to your word when his plan is not your plan and it puts your plan in tatters? Will you say, let your will be done and work to that end? If so, you are most blessed because God, God's blessing rests upon those who fear him and follow him faithfully. Picking up in verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. After Mary heard that Elizabeth was pregnant from the angel Gabriel, it says she arose in those days, went south from Nazareth, some 130 K's to the hill country of Judah. This way she was able to congratulate her, her relative and also to confirm the word that was spoken to her by the angel. It says when Mary greeted Elizabeth, what happened? The baby John who would be called John leaped in the womb of Elizabeth did a somersault. And Elizabeth is like filled with the Holy spirit. The angel told Zacharias that his son would be filled from the Holy spirit from the womb. So he was a unique child. And I love Elizabeth's words. They just resemble Gabriel's greeting. He says, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, these are not the words I would expect from a woman who was called barren and now had great news of her own, right? She's been considered barren. Like she was not going to have a child. Suddenly she's with child. Her husband had had an angelic vision while he was serving in the temple. And then, and now he's mute. He's unable to speak, but he communicated to her that you're going to fall pregnant with a, a man that's going to prepare the way. The one that's been written about in the scripture, a prophet. She's not talking about herself. She's not talking about her pregnancy and how rough it's been or how great it's been. She's just saying, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed is the son who's coming. And Mary's not looking pregnant at all. You wouldn't have known that she was pregnant. She shouldn't be pregnant, right? Because she's not married yet. They hadn't gone to the feast. 
But she spoke of the child that Mary carried as her Lord, the mother of my Lord come to me, her master, her God. Now this laser focus on the glorification of Jesus, it's a characteristic of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Turn to the words of Jesus. We read in John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus describing the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. So Elizabeth's filled with the Holy spirit. She has this revelation of the child that Mary is carrying in utero. She's not drawing attention to herself or her son, but she confirmed that Jesus is in Mary. Now the Holy spirit, it says here guides into all truth speaks on the authority of God, the father and the son. He speaks of things to come. He will always glorify Christ. Even as Jesus lived to glorify the father. So the Holy spirit glorifies Christ. And not even John, the greatest prophet, gets any, any mention at that moment because it's all about Jesus. Anything the Holy Spirit says and does is of Jesus and declares it to us. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that John could be the voice of one crying in the wilderness that made straight the paths of the Lord. So Mary, she had faith in the word of the Lord spoken to her by Gabriel. Her belief in God did not hinge upon, she wasn't like, all right. I'm not going to really believe what the angel said until I see for myself that Elizabeth is showing. Then I will. Okay. I trust God. No, because we see the words of Elizabeth. She says, blessed is she who believed past tense for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. She believed and she went and confirmed. And I'm reminded of the words Jesus spoke to Thomas after he rose from the dead in John 20, 29, it says, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe Jesus has risen from the dead until I see the wounds and I touch them myself. Then I'll believe. And then Jesus did that. He, He did that for Thomas. And he said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen me in the flesh and still believe. And so guess what? If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he has come, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead and he lives, you are blessed because you believe that. We celebrate Jesus at Christmas and every day he gives the Holy Spirit to those who believe without measure. Picking up in verse 46 and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty, mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. 
as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. The response of Mary is to magnify the Lord. Her words are often called the Magnificat because of the translation from Latin. Her words are really similar to what Hannah says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 after she had weaned her son and was presenting him before the Lord to serve in the temple or the tabernacle at that time for the rest of his life. She just praised the Lord. She magnified the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you gave me a son that I could give you. And Mary, she magnifies God with praise with many allusions to scripture of what God had done and what he was doing, his holiness. And she just rejoices. There's just so much joy. We were singing that song, joy, unspeakable joy. Joy is just flooding from these people, from the Lord, from what he had done, from what he had planned, from what he had purposed and what he was bringing to pass in their time. She was unworthy of such a great honor. She was blessed by God's grace and his goodness. She's not glorifying herself. She magnified the Lord who blessed her, who was mighty and did great things for her. Whose name is holy that God's merciful on those who fear him, that he reveals his strength by scattering the proud and humbles the mighty and exalts the lowly that those who hunger God will satisfy with good things And those who treasure worldly wealth, they'll remain empty. God sees to it. And that the coming of the son of God, it fulfilled promises made to Abraham and to his children forever. And I love seeing that word over and over. It's like forever an everlasting kingdom because God is eternal and his word will ever stand and his kingdom will continue forever. And he's going to do the same thing for us presently and in the future, what he did for Israel, for Abraham and for Mary. And so how blessed we are to magnify the Lord by praising and thanking him through Jesus Christ. And I like to analyze words. I think of magnify. Well, what, what do you mean when you say magnify? Well, it brings what's out of focus into focus. It takes what was unseen previously and makes it visible. Now, God, we should magnify him and bring to light. He he is shining. And so we direct people to him. We say, look at what he's done. He's brought the savior to us. He's given us a hope. He's given us joy. While we were not looking for God long before we were even coming to the world, God was planning for our eternal prosperity couple of verses from the Psalms here. David saying this in Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. That's a mark of God's people to have joy, a gladness that springs from God and from knowing him who thinks about us, who cares about us sinners, like a parent does for their only child, who sees that all our needs are met. Psalm 40, verse 16. Again, David singing, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay Oh my God. Ages before God caused us to be, he thought upon us for good. 
He provided a way of everlasting life and fruitfulness by his grace. Think of Elizabeth. She was barren, but God caused her to conceive by Zacharias and give birth. Mary, she had never been with a man, but conceived by the Holy Spirit. And on Christmas, we celebrate Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He began his trek towards Calvary, his hour when he would die on the cross for sinners and three days later rise from the dead and live forever in glory. Elizabeth and Mary, they were very special people called by God to bring John and Jesus, the son of God into the world. And you know, God has regarded our lowly estate. He's extended to mercy to us. Hasn't he? It's not just like his mercy was only for Elizabeth and Mary. No, we have received of that mercy through Jesus. We've trusted in him. We've been born again by the Holy spirit who indwells us, who regenerates us, who makes us spiritually fruitful. Now, Mary, she had the physical, I guess the, the privilege to physically carry Jesus in her body, to hold him as a child. She saw him grow into a man. She saw him go to the father. Like she, that sword pierced her heart when she saw the son of God die on Calvary. He knew that she knew that he was more than a man, that he was God in the flesh. And to see the son of God rejected wounded, but there is healing in our savior. And through faith in Jesus, we're freely given the right to become children of God. So we may, we will not carry the son of God, but he carries us and he fills us. We can call God our father because of what Jesus has done. Now we, by the gospel, have a privilege that rivals Mary's because it's by God grace that those who repent of sin and trust in Jesus, we are made the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. It's totally awesome. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. I mean, what a blessing from the Lord to have the Holy Spirit in us through faith in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Paul says this. He says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus is the King of Kings. He chose to live in the body of a baby that would grow to be a man rather than dwelling in an ornate temple made with hands. God has chosen to take up residence in our hearts, in his redeemed and those that he has forgiven and caused to be born again. The Holy Spirit, we see him called the Spirit of Christ in Romans 8, 9. The Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And so as children of God, being filled with the Spirit of God, we are called to glorify and magnify God. Perhaps you think that being the temple of the Holy Spirit is just too good to be true. Well, it is true and thus exceedingly good. Think of Solomon. He built the temple and there's some great, we're just going to read a little bit of his prayer here, but this is, this is awesome. He was given the design of the temple by the, by the Lord. And so Solomon built the temple and he sanctified it. So he set the priests in their places. They were all uh, purified. 
Solomon prayed. He blesses the people. He blessed God of Israel. And he prayed that God's will be done in one Kings eight twenty five. He says, therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant, David, my father saying, you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel. Only if your sons take heed to their way that they walk before me as you have walked before me. And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant, David, my father. He says, God, do what you've said. Let it be to us according to your word that we would not fail to have someone on the throne forever. And notice it says only if your sons take heed to their way that they walk before me. Did they? No, they didn't. But God kept his word. He kept his word through giving that kingdom to Jesus where he sits on throned forever. And so let's magnify the Lord. It has happened according to his word. And he's done more for us than we could have hoped because he's put his name upon us forever. And he's filled us with his presence and bless the Lord that he's given rest to his people. According to his promise that the Lord God who is with us, who will never leave or forsake us. I pray that our hearts would be inclined to walk in God's ways and that all people would know Jesus is the Lord through us because we are now the temple of the Holy spirit and we live to magnify him, not ourselves, but the Lord, our Lord Jesus. And so may the good purposes and plans that God has for each one of us, his beloved children be fulfilled so that he might be magnified forever. Even when God's plans are not what we expected. Let us be those who praise him, who are walking in the joy of the Lord because we love him because he first loved us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for uh, what you did in sending Jesus to be the son of God through the Virgin Mary. Thank you for the, the interaction we see between Elizabeth and Mary and her magnifying the Lord. And I pray that that would be how we live how we think when our plans are dashed, when our expectations are not met, Lord, that we would rest in you. We would pray to you and you would hear us and answer and that we'd keep walking in your ways. I pray Lord that you would um, put in us that humble surrender that we see in Solomon and we see in Elizabeth and in Mary, just to say, let it be to me according to your word, Lord, let it be according to your word, so that we might magnify you and uh, walk in the spirit. Thank you, Lord, for calling us as your children, that you sent your son to be our savior. And may we just uh, be enraptured in your love and share with everyone the joy that you've given us in Jesus name. Amen.